This is 10 Minutes at the Bar with Mike Teen. You give us 10 minutes, he gives you the world of Miami law. All right, we are here with the great Ira Kurzban. Ira, how are you? Good. It's great to be with you, Mike. Uh, it's an honor. Thank you for making time. So Ira Kurzban is literally the man who wrote the book on immigration law. How, how many pages is the book up to now, Ira? Um, Pre-Trump or post-Trump? <laughs> <laughs> post-Trump, you can throw a lot of it out, it's, right? <laughs> um, it's probably about 2,500 now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I, and when I started, it was just a little nothing outline. It was about 300 pages, 400 pages. Uh, that's so cool. I, um, I, I was really wanted to have you on this show because you're such an example to other lawyers and particularly young lawyers starting out of, about, of someone who has made a contribution to the profession, not just by your practice in the office and in the courtroom and in the classroom, but, but beyond by this, by your scholarship. And I, I just, I wanted to ask you a little bit about it. How, how did the book get started? Well, you know, I've been teaching at the university of Miami for many, many years. And in the old days before computers, right, we used to keep uh, information in files. Right. Uh, I don't remember that. But that was yes, before okay. your time. But, <laughs> um, and one day I decided, why keep everything in files? Just keep it in an outline. And every time something else comes up, you just amplify the outline. I was using the outline to teach. Um, and it got to a point where it was about 300 pages. And my wife said, uh, why don't you publish this? And I said, who would want to read this? <laughs> uh, and that's really how it started. And I gave it to the American Immigration uh, Lawyers Association, the American Immigration Council, who are the publishers and owners of the copyright. And I did it because I wanted, if it were to be successful, which it turned out it was, uh, I wanted them to get the financial benefit of it. And uh, it's been... Wow, I didn't yeah, financially that. Oh, successful. Yeah, because I think you. I could have sold it to West or one of the good other companies. You. And good for you. Yeah. What's it like when you walk into court and you see uh, that the judge on the bench has a copy of your book? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, um, um, at this point, I try not to walk into court very often. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of that, that's funny. Speaking of that, so. A big part of the show is to is for young lawyers starting out to listen and get ideas from the the lions and of the profession. So, what um, what's your most embarrassing moment that you've ever had in court? Um, it's an interesting <laughs> question. <laughs> there have been so many. No. Um, Perhaps the most embarrassing moment was one of the judges said to me, Mr. Kurzban, in deep southern accent, Mr. Kurzban, you slipped that pee under that shell so fast I couldn't follow your argument. <laughs> um, and then one of my first cases, I was a lawyer for about um, four months, 
and I argued a case in chambers, six months maybe, in chambers in the Florida Supreme Court on behalf of the Socialist Workers Party. Oh my they were trying to get on the ballot. And remember, this was the 1970s. Oh, my gosh. So the judge asked me, uh, well, son, how does it feel to represent communists? <laughs> and I go, well, I go, you're on it. They're actually not communists, they're <laughs> socialists. But I felt like there was no way I was going to win that argument. And you've lost. <laughs> right, and we lost the program. So, so um, how about what's your, what's your proudest moment that you've had in court? Um, I think... Um, winning um, the cases for Haitian refugees, and it's really a number of cases. Uh, the toughest one was, of course, when, the, when George Bush, the senior George Bush, sent the Solicitor General of the United States to argue against us in the district court that was in a case called HRCV Baker. It was the first case involving uh, Haitians on Guantanamo. It was actually the first group of people who wow. went to Guantanamo. This was in uh, 1991, 90, yeah, 1991 or so. Um, and um, uh, my daughter was there. Uh -huh. and she was a you know, a little girl at the time. and um, But the Haitian community was there. They all turned down. And if you remember that old courthouse in the post office building, which was the first court. federal court here, that and they had that great WPA mural. Yeah. Um, and we argued the case um, uh, in that court. Um, and uh, we were successful. Um, and this was the third time a Solicitor General of the United States had ever appeared in a district court to argue a case. Because as you know, the Solicitor General's Supreme only appear yeah. in, the, in the Supreme Court. Um, and they were bringing it, out the big guns. They brought, they well, Ira. the biggest gun. <laughs> you know, he, he walked in and said, I'm here on behalf of the president of the United <laughs> States. It's pretty intimidating. Um, and I was a young lawyer, but it, it was a very, very rewarding experience. Um, because we were, uh, uh, we were able to really win something for people who would otherwise be unrepresented. That's great. And great stuff. You, uh, you know, when people talk about reward and in terms of practicing law, I always say the same thing, which is there's nothing more rewarding than people thanking you for what you did on their behalf, having nothing to do with financial reward. Because I always joke, every time I get into a taxi cab and there's a Haitian driver here and they're over 40 years old, they always turn around and say to me, thank you for what you've done for my community. And that to me is the most rewarding thing you could possibly have in practicing law. I mean, there's nothing more rewarding than, than that kind of appreciation for the work you did and never got paid. You know, we never um, got paid on many of those cases. They were pro bono cases. But it really changed the Haitian community here and it really made some good law along the way. What, so, what a great, what, yeah. a, what a blessing, what, yeah. a, what great, great work you did. So uh, along those lines, um, for our listeners who are lawyers just starting out or, or folks in law school, what, what, do you, what do you recommend to them to do uh, in terms of being able to do good works like you've done when they've got 
thousands of dollars of loans on their shoulders, tens, many tens of thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. sometimes over a hundred. Some, some students have over 200 right. when they come out of law school. What, what, what's your recommendation to them? Well, I think the first thing, which is what I've always lived by, which is you uh, go with your passion. You know, what are you passionate about in terms of practicing law? Because if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to do very well anyway. So find what you really care about in practicing law. And, you know, when I started out, I didn't start out as an immigration lawyer. That I started, was my, one of my questions yeah. to you. How did you land? I started out as a uh, labor lawyer and a civil rights lawyer. That's why I came to Florida. And uh, the irony was where I went to law school, they actually had a course in immigration, for, and there were very few in those days, and I was totally uninterested in it. So... <laughs> Um, the civil rights work led to my representing Haitian refugees because of the disparate treatment between Haitians, who of course are black refugees, uh, and the way they treated Cuban refugees, which were totally different in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Now, of course, Trump treats everybody the same, uh, but uh, in those days, there was a disparate treatment, so I wound up as a civil rights lawyer starting to represent Haitian refugees. Uh, and that was, um, you know, a very rewarding experience, and I just got more and more involved in it, and really became my passion about practicing law. Um, and uh, I, I know the the problem that students have coming out of law school with enormous debt. But, you know, we did a lot of these cases in overtime. Yeah. You know, I mean, I worked, uh, and even today, I still work very, very long hours. Um, So I don't see it as an excuse. Yes, you can work during the day, but you can still take on pro bono cases. Uh, You can take on cases that you're really interested in to help people. Uh, And you do it in the way that you can do it best, but you should do it in a way that you feel passionate about it. If you could do something different in your career... Uh, particularly early on in your career. Is there something that that comes to mind? Um, I always tell the young lawyers I would have taken uh, accounting. (laughs) Such good advice. Such good advice. I mean, it's odd that, you know, a lawyer who spent his whole life doing immigration and civil rights work would say that, but I think, you know, accounting for lawyers or whatever it is, uh, it comes up in everything you do, actually. Um, and, um, and, uh, yeah, so I, that was the one area I felt I really (laughs) missed out on. I'm laughing because I, I shunned it when I was younger in college and in law school, because I thought, oh, you know, I don't want to be involved in finance. I want to, you know, save the world and treat justice in the American way. I didn't see a dollar sign and a decimal point in that, but it's just all, it's all over. Right. And it, it, even for your pro bono clients. And exactly. you, you've, got to, you've got to know how to read a balance sheet. You've got to know how to read an income statement. You've yeah. Even understand taxes, even in immigration law, when you go into court and the judge says, well, I want to see their tax returns to see if they've lied on their taxes or, you know, whatever is a way of disqualifying people. So yeah, you need it that's, all. The time. That's such good advice. I, um, you're another one of the guests that I wish this was called 20 minutes at the bar or 60 <laughs> minutes at the bar because we're running out of time. But um, Ira, is there a, 
is is there a mantra or a saying or a words to live by that that have guided you in your practice? Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, and of course it's probably what we both tell our children, which is you know follow your passion and be honest about it. Be honest to yourself about what you do. Be true to your own values in practicing law because. It affects everything you do in life. I mean, if you're not true to what you really believe in, um, what's the point of doing it? And maybe when you get my age, you realize that more and more. <laughs> it's just a pleasure. And, I, and, and you're just such a hero to so many of us here in Miami. And, and we are going to continue to follow all your greatness and your example. Thanks again. Thank you. And you've totally embarrassed me with this. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> 